Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on the DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the Future Stars Wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, uh, it was uh, Christmas uh, just uh, yesterday, and uh, the question is, is that what does Santa Claus bring a wrestling promoter when a wrestling promoter has everything? Uh, obviously, absolutely nothing. <laughs> well... well Okay, you know, thinking back to when you are in grade school, right? And there would always be that time when you, like, bring uh, your teachers or principals gifts. So what did the students get you this year? Uh, absolutely nothing. As wow. I said, I didn't even get Christmas dinner yet. We're supposed to have it Wednesday and Thursday, usually because half Puerto Rican, half Italian, we would have... Uh, Christmas Eve would be the Italian dinner, sure. which would be the stuffed shells and the meatballs. Yeah. Okay. And then Christmas Day, we would always go to my grandmother's, my abuela's. We would have the traditional Puerto Rican uh, Christmas dinner, which would be uh, something called menil, which was uh, picnic pork, very mm -hmm. garlicky. Okay. okay. Yeah. And and very fatty, but the meat meat tasted really really good. Uh, we would have the fried plantains, plantanos as they were called, and uh, you'd have the you get the ones that were undercooked or under ripened. You'd put salt on them and you would fry them, oh. or you would get the ones that were like if you saw bananas at the store that basically would have flies on them and they would be rotted because they were so dark right. that became the sweet bananas. So oh. you would have that. And then you would have uh, Spanish rice, which would have some olives in it. It would have uh, what you would call it uh, pieces of the pork. So you would cut right. off a slice of the, of the pork roast. You right. would put it in and into the rice and uh, pigeon peas was the big, uh, the the item that made it all go around. And, you know, when I grew up, my mother being the Puerto Rican one, uh, she learned to cook more of the Italian stuff because when I was younger, my grandmother and great grandma were both alive and they were, you know, fantastic cooks. So my mother didn't really cook much other than the benil there's the thing called pasteles there's little, little certain different things that would come with a, a spanish meal and my mother was able to do the benil and the spanish rice well as we progressed it the wife could do the benil but you know the spanish rice for however we tried to do it just never came out right it was soggy it was <laughs> but needless to say because she worked graveyard she didn't want to do it on the days that she had to work. So uh, yesterday, I guess for Christmas Day, what I did was I ended up buying two two-pound packs of ground beef. So I made my homemade meatballs, just eat some meatballs yesterday because I don't. Sure. So that, that was my dinner. So I'm assuming Wednesday or Thursday, we're just going to combine it. So the stuffed shells and the benil and the... Uh, uh, we, we may we may do partly Spanish rice. I don't know. Uh, it, you know, it's probably been like five years in a row that it hasn't been successful. Even when my mom was still alive, we'd call her up and ask her how to do it. And 
it just didn't come out right you know <laughs> sure you know i sent out a message to all the my facebook friends because shockingly there's a lot of fucking puerto ricans on there and it was like, <laughs> hey anybody got some pasteles they can send out but um i haven't had any success because my cousin i remember when i was young uh her birthday was on Christmas. So I remember going to the hospital on Christmas day because she was born that day. And I was okay. trying to give her the name. It was like Noel and this, and yeah, they, they stuck with Lisa. So <laughs> yeah, very, uh, very traditional uh, name. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, kind of weird Puerto Rican girl named Lisa. Lisa. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Fairly traditional Puerto Rican name there. Right. But but my grandmother was named Elisa with an E. Sure. So maybe it was a takeoff of that. I, I've never really, you know, found that out. But my mother was Puerto Rican and her name was Fredis Winda, which was definitely not a Puerto Rican name. It was, uh, I believe, a Scandinavian lady wow. that my grandparents met through somehow. And that's how my mother got that name. Really weird. <laughs> well, uh, you know, <laughs> you just you you can't ever uh, you can't ever expect that uh, you know naming naming babies is going to be the easiest thing in the world, especially when you run into some Scandinavian person. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Mine was easy. I knew it was going to be a boy, and it was going to be Joseph the Third. So we were done. <laughs> Uh, man. Well, yeah, I mean, you lucked out and, and look, you know, he's, he's been a very easy, uh, you know, kid to race, right? Oh, yes. What a charm. Uh, you know, speaking of, uh, <coughs> you know, Joey and, and what's been going on, um, how do you think, uh, things have been, uh, you know, progressing with uh, production value and uh, fight TV and uh, just, you know, the, the recent uh, hiccups, uh, you know, you've encountered with, you know, internet not working and stuff like that. Um, how have the guys been responding to, uh, you know, kind of getting everything in order? Because uh, at the end of uh, January, you got a pretty big show. Yeah, well, uh, what we did was uh, we finally got things kind of working. So the ninth show and the 16th show uh, both streamed live, and Mm -hmm. we had no issues, thankfully, knock on wood. Uh, So what I did was, since we didn't start airing on Fight Plus till uh, April, I believe, it was Moment of Truth. And then we did all the big shows for the AEW weekend in May. So we had a couple of future shocks and we had some good stuff on. It was like Johnny Robbie against uh, Matt Vandegrift. And we, we had some good things. So on December 6th, I uploaded uh, two episodes. I figured, hey, you know what? Let's play them uh, Christmas uh, the 23rd and Christmas Eve. So, you know, two future shocks just to throw out there, get some views, make a few bucks, whatever. And, of course, you know, my kid hits me up like, hey, it's not airing on the 23rd. And I'm like, okay, well, I had to go back to my emails to make sure. And it was like, hey, this is what we want to air on the 23rd and 24th. Everything was okayed. So, of course, I try calling them. Of course, I try emailing them. And there's nothing. 
So then all of a sudden you go back to the Fight Plus and it basically has, oh, both shows are going to air tomorrow, which was the 24th at 7 p.m. And I finally get a message. He's like, oh, yeah, we have, but, 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 but. It's like, yeah, whatever, whatever the fuck it's just. So the, guy, the guy's in Bulgaria. They got the, uh, they didn't get the upload. It's like, I sent it three weeks ago. And so needless to say, they, uh, they, they, they were nice enough to not make us run against ourselves because, you know, running against the other 50 companies isn't enough. Right. Now we got to run against our own show. So they did a back-to-back thing on seven and nine o'clock. So I've only gotten the, you know, info for the one day, but it was fine. It was a smaller show. It was, you know, taped from March. So, you know, I've learned that the more product you can put out there, obviously the best ofs didn't seem to do very well. And, and that's how we learned. So, but we have a lot of material. Uh, like I got to get it out to them because of course, New Year, or, you know, Countdown to Midnight is on Sunday. Right. December 31st. And we have that scheduled to be aired live. And we're also looking to air last year's New Year's resolution on January 1st. So, you know, the idea is to try to get product out there every single week. We have enough stuff, you know, trying to get the future shocks going a little bit more. And as you say, you know, wind everything up with the the big, big show. But, you know, we got some really bad news uh, this past week. And it was like, so I get a call from uh, the Silver Nugget. And I'm listening and I'm not really paying that much attention, but I catch the words like, yeah, you know, moving forward, we can't do shows right now. And I'm like, what? And it's like, you know, you're telling me three days before Christmas, four days before Christmas, finding venues are tough enough, but Christmas week into New Year's, everybody's out of the fucking office. Office. Yeah. So... I'm a little confused at that point. And I'm like, she, she's telling me that because of the new insurance carrier. And it's like, yeah, but our events, we have to use our own insurance. So what the fuck does it matter? Well, no, you know, that we still got to carry the insurance, blah, 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 blah. So I'm left in a fucking quandary. Like, what the fuck? So the next day, I call my my guy Jason from down there. He was the guy when Diversion pulled pulled the the fast one on us, and right. you know. Also, I heard really good news that next day that I heard they closed down. So it's like, yeah, hey, that's what that's what you fucking get. Merry yeah. Christmas, you fucks. So uh, I I talked to Jason, and I'm like, I'm not understanding, Jason. You know, you know, I had a, I had a good relationship with him. You know, we walked in. He was all gung-ho. He would tell me about the other shows. He said, man, we love your show the best out here. Man, we love when you guys are here, blah, 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 blah. So it was like, tell me about this insurance stuff. And I didn't understand. I'm like, but we use our own. And he was like, now it made some sense. And it was because of the Silver Nugget Casino being closed that they're not even starting to renovate till who knows when. So... The owner stepped in and basically wanted all the insurance basically wiped from what they were paying, supposedly like 10 grand a month. So now they cut down to the minimum 
that right. the only thing it's good for the insurance is if it burns down, right? If it burns down. Yeah. So if it burns down, we got it on tape. Oh, we might be able to make a little embezzlement money <laughs> now because that's basically all it's good for. So he said the insurance agent, whether he wasn't happy about it or whatever, was like, well, yeah, that's fine. You could do it for this, but now you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do the other thing. Because, you know, not trying to be an idiot or a fucking douche, but it's like, so we have our own insurance for our events, but you have concerts with upwards of a thousand Mexicans getting rowdy. You're going to tell me that there's never been a fight in a concert, but you're, but they're allowed to continue, but a wrestling show isn't like, I I didn't understand. So, but I, you know, I got a little bit more info out of it. So, you know, I kind of get it, but it's like, dude, you know, now we got five weeks out. It's basically the same thing that happened to us to diversion when the silver nugget saved us. Now we don't have the silver nugget. I was literally going to call the diversion place. And see what the fuck was up. And yeah. then it turns out our camera guys, the new camera guys we got, were talking with my kid. And they were doing an event there like the week before. And they were like, yeah, this is going to be the last event there because they're closing down. Well, when you do shitty fucking business, you can't keep a fucking, you know, you, you can't keep a business running. You chose to take one one show over seven. So, you know, how do you know our seven wouldn't have been ten? How do you know more people yeah. wouldn't have gone there? How many people went to Samstown when we did wrestling? And I remember the first month after we did the first show at Diversion, the guy that we were dealing with at the time, who was a wrestling fan, was starting to get calls about people inquiring about using that venue. Yeah. And it's like, that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, now again, uh, you know, having a talk to different people and you know i talked to my guy omar at the silver knights and he's got some connections at uh one of the henderson casinos and then uh you know i'm hoping to talk with somebody again from the silverton maybe we can negotiate something that's a little better for us maybe save save a few bucks and, you know, I kind of put the offer out there like, hey, bro, you know, new year, you know, we'd like to lock in dates. You know, if, if locking in four dates can save us two, three hundred dollars from what you're charging us, you know, that's a grand at the end of the year that, you know, can be put toward things. It's like you can get four events at your venue that you're not paying us to be at. Sure. You know, it, it, it's a win win for both of us. So. You know, hopefully smarter heads will prevail and be like, hey, you know, he claimed, hey, we like the show. Hey, we'd like to have you back. Hey. And it's like, okay, but hey, we need to save a few more dollars. You know, we need to make this work. You know, running here is great, but we can't lose money. Or, yeah, we can run a fucking school show there, but then it's a school show there. So it doesn't matter it's at the Silverton. When we're running a casino show... We want it to be a big deal. We want it to be a major event, our anniversary show, a Mecca show, you know, a no escape. And that's a major event, you know, regardless of whether we're able to or not, we can't run no escape at the FSW arena 
unless every single match was a steel cage match. We just don't have the room unless we tell everybody, hey, everybody leave the building for 30 minutes while we construct a cage to let you guys get back in. So it's got to kind of be in there because the sides are too small to try to put the cage up while people are sitting in a chair. Pretty dangerous, too. So, you know, I'm not sure, you know, everybody wants to see, you know, sky high and greatness and tenacious in a steel cage match right now. Well, I mean, you know, (laughs) it, 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 you know, I I think that there would be a, a few people willing to pay, especially if, you know, the, uh, the cage, uh, if there were handcuffs involved and they could be, uh, Greatness yeah. and handcuffed to the cage. They, they got to pay extra for handcuffs. <laughs> is that is that the uh, Italian rule or the Puerto Rican rule? Uh, probably both. <laughs> you know, so the thing is, it's like, you know, the guy who couldn't even enjoy Christmas. You know, it's like the, the whole week. It's like, all right, at least we could take a couple days off. And it's like, you know, right before Christmas, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, we had no fucking venue. Yeah. So, you know, so when you, I mean, we've we've talked about the venues and stuff out here, but what really is right now when you're thinking about, like you said, um, it's a it's a shit time because everyone is out of office. or the the hours are you know extremely you know just different or random than it, it would be normally you also are looking at entertainment venues that have for the most part scheduling already into january so is the complexity not only getting a hold of someone and of course you know, price, uh, you know, is a, is the big factor, but on top of that, it's availability. I mean, how, I, I don't understand how that can be justified on their end in, Hey, we're changing our insurance. So therefore this is negating what was happening without honoring that last you know because again just like at diversion uh the the crazy thing is i forgot about the let taxes so i didn't do the one for september and november and she hits me up and was like hey can we meet up and i'm like oh yeah i forgot all about it so i had to go to their other casino which is the ojos locos which is like five minutes away no big deal and you know that was probably tuesday of last week And then within a matter of, so I bring the money, nothing is said. And then all of a sudden, three days later, it was like, oh, by the way. And it's like, motherfucker, man. It's like, you know, we've invested a lot of time and effort. Like, we can't grandfather it in. You know, that's how we got to do the last Silverton show uh, before our contract, because we had a contract for four shows that year and only had done the three. So they begrudgingly, they begrudgingly made $10,000 by letting us perform there. You know, it was, it was, it was a real shot in the arm 
you know, because, you know, the Silverton does so many shows and so much business. It's like, you know, go take a picture of the South Point and see what happens when there's people there. Like when we first started at the Silverton, that was the hop in place. And it wasn't anymore when we were long gone. And I'm not saying we're taking any credit for anything there, but we did well there. And now that you would think, so you're telling me we're going to have a show in our event center. Right. Everybody's going to make money. The bar is going to make money. We're going to have five or 600 people. We're at the anniversary show easy that normally wouldn't be inside your casino. So right. what isn't good about what we're providing? We've never had an issue. We've provided our own security. Right. You're not paying us. You have a rinky-dink fucking shit rock band performing cover songs for $10 covers that you have to pay that band to be there. <laughs> and 30, 40 people are showing up that were actually in your casino. We're bringing people that weren't even coming to your casino to come to this event. Right. So the few people that are coming are the ones that are tired of losing and gambling, or they want to take a break from winning at gambling one out of the 20. And they're, they're going to see some cover band, which you can see at every fucking casino everywhere. Right. They yeah. usually butcher every fucking song. <laughs> and it's like, we're offering you live, in-your-face shows that draw people. And, and, and yo, Ricky Tenacious is just as good as half those singers in those bands. So. Christ. Maybe that's our way in. We can get Ricky hired, and then we provide a wrestling show around Ricky singing with yeah, Santana. And we got with, Santana. Yeah. So... If I say I can bring you MJ live and it's a two hour event and then we put the wrestling ring in and that might work. <laughs> I got to call, I got to call Santana. up. You know, I know they are imploding the Tropicana any day now. So, you know. <laughs> oh man. Uh, <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, maybe, um, uh, is there any possibility of taking a venue like the Dollar Loan Center? And because I know this is what um, Impact Wrestling did uh, back in, I think it was like 2010, 11, 12, in that era of Impact, right after Hogan and Bischoff were kind of gone. <laughs> They'd come out to California and they'd run in Rancho. And what they would do is basically curtain off half the arena. And then you would just have basically, you know, the wrestling ring and the half bowl was, you know, where the right, right, right. That's what kind of, I believe, Global Force did when they had the, because I remember, uh, when Nick Aldis and uh, Chris Masters almost went at it backstage after their match, that the curtain was halfway to the end. 
Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's how they did it uh, for that event. Yeah. So, you know, the 8,000 only sat like 3,500 or, or right. whatever. You know, and again, it's the the person who ran the dollar loan center, you know, he went on to another job and now somebody else is there who was part-time, you know, and he was the interim person and now somebody else is in there like, we're supposed to do something with them January 19th. And Omar's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it looks good. It's like, okay, dude, we're already almost to January 1st, but it looks good. But we haven't, like, signed and locked in anything. Yeah. And that's for us to just go there, give us a few bucks, and and put on a little show for them. Yeah. You know, how much more work is it in a, a venue that I've been quoted for pricing that – you know, is in the medium high figures. Right. Now, for a one-off, whatever. And then, you know, it's the low five figures for, you know, the pro volleyball that's going to tear it up down there. <laughs> and it's like, well, what about us getting in, you know, at half of that low five-figure mark? You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. If somebody said we can get in for a similar price than Samstown, I'm jumping at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm offering MK 10% of the company or something, you know, throwing some cash, you know what I mean? And, you know, to do it there. But now to do it there, again, as much as I love our roster and our roster's great, the bottom line is we have to take the top of the roster, you right. know, we have 40 guys. We can't use the bottom 15. We have to use as many of the top 10, you know, uh, to get in there. Guys that we've used, whether it's, you know, the John Morrisons or or the Chris Bays or, you know, Jay Lethal or whoever it is, you got to have national names on that show because if you put 500 people in, a, in an arena that sits 3,000 even cut off, it still looks like shit. So, you know, and then the other problem is places like uh, Space, LV Space or Meet LV, or whatever it was that GCW did, really nice people over there. But it was like they didn't own a liquor license. So right. the liquor was basically a company that came in who we had contacted and it was like, oh, yeah, we can bring liquor to the FSW arena. Uh the first $1,500 is ours, meaning theirs, and then we get like 20%. So it's like, so if we did 1200 I got to give you 300 more. Right. And if we did $3,000, we got like $300 out. <laughs> Not even. Right. You, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, well, that would be pointless. So... They would. They even told me, like, oh yeah, that GCW, yeah, they they rang up a lot of uh, liquor, but it didn't do them any good. So Brett had to pay the full price. That's why he loves the Nugget because I got him a great deal. And then you know, so and then I hit up my guy at the Sahara Event Center, Dan. Oh, love wrestling. Yeah, I want to do stuff. Okay, well, right now we could only do uh, twenty one and over because of our liquor license. 
And now the last time I spoke to them, they lost their liquor license and they got to go for a hearing. So they're not doing anything. So that guy redid everything in the event center and it's been two years and they've run like no events. Wow. And then the industrial and they, they only could fit like 300 people in there. And then they want like five or $6,000. It's like, wow, that's like triple the silver nugget. Could you, uh, could you, uh, run like outside, uh, at like area 15 outside in January? Probably not. Yeah. A couple of heaters, <laughs> <laughs> you know, at that point, you know, might have to kiss up to Jonathan at the nerd bar or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I saw my kids spending money there again. Who knows? Maybe he could be the liaison. Is, is Joey going for rides on that uh, huge uh... zip line? Yeah. Oh, the other thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. They got one of those uh, yeah. zip line and uh, great place for the wrestlers. They all drink free. So, you know. Yeah. Hey, well, you know, it, as, uh, as Tony Khan has proven, you know, if you have money and you're willing to let the wrestlers <laughs> do anything they want to do. You got new friends. So yeah. look at Tony Khan. Now he can run the dollar loan center on Super Bowl weekend. Probably paying top dollar, not asking for a discounted price. Everybody's in town for the Super Bowl. He'll be in town watching it because there's no way in fucking hell that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to, if they get lucky enough to be in the playoffs, make it past the first round. But everybody will be there for the parties and things like that. So you know, a lot of the football players, and there's thousands and thousands of people in town. I don't think he's too concerned about the gate, but I can guarantee you that there should be a lot of people because I know AEW, when it's Memorial Day weekend and Double or Nothing or All In or whatever the fuck it's called, it's, you know, usually they travel well. So people will buy tickets and come from Chicago and Florida and Pittsburgh and LA and, and, and Phoenix, not on Super Bowl weekend. You're not getting the average out of state fan unless they're in Cali or Phoenix and they're driving in and out because Super Bowl weekend, you, you know, you're getting a shithole hotel if you're lucky and it's going to be three, four hundred bucks. And that's if it isn't sold out and it probably, it probably is, you know. Yeah, um, it's, and from from what I know, from some friends who usually come in for Super Bowl weekend when, you know, Super Bowl's wherever else, uh, the difference in price this year for hotels that were, you know, practically in Pahrump. <laughs> yeah, you know, Super Bowl weekend in Vegas was huge. Now you actually have the Super Bowl here. You're like it's ridiculous. You know, um, I mean, you know, but I mean, and it, that's the other thing that's that's very interesting too. It's like uh, the if you look at the the way that events have been going, you know, with with stuff like the F one. Uh, you had the um, the NBA in season tournament bullshit. 
uh, you know, doing the the finals out here with that. Um, there's just so much more. And then, like you said, getting ready to destroy the Tropicana because you're bringing baseball here. It's almost like uh, as as it starts gearing up and you get more and more, um, what is that going to mean to you guys in trying to secure venues and then also, you know, having to compete with potentially sporting events on a constant basis? Oh, there we go. We got you back, right? All right. Can you do that? Well, so I'll be yeah, honest I mean, with you. First off, I'm I might be dead before baseball actually gets played in Vegas. <laughs> by the time they actually, you know, they're talking like three years from now. Like, really? Dude, it took less time to build a Legion Stadium than a, than a, than a, than a bandbox baseball stadium. I don't understand that. If you're not around in three years, Joe, <laughs> you never know. Hey, I'm just saying. But, you know, we, we yeah. learned we had growing pains with the Knights, Golden Knights, when they first came in. You yeah. know, you can only do so much. You know, the thing about football is football is generally a, a Sunday thing. And, you know, because of the, the Silver Nugget and the, and the pricing and things like that, we were forced to do Sunday shows. Well, maybe if the Silverton gives us the same deal as on Sunday, I don't need the discount. Give me Friday or Saturday. If you're not doing anything, what is really the difference between Saturday and Sunday if your venue has nothing going on Friday or Saturday? Yeah. You know, I don't need six months in advance. But, hey, let's work out a deal. You give me a Friday or Saturday, and all I want is five weeks. If you got nothing booked in five weeks, I'll take that date. Because yeah. people are going to know the date. We, I know because when we had to do the Mecca at the cannery, we didn't know where our venue was. And we had already sold probably front row out. And the cannery was the worst because it was so small because of the way the staging was that I actually had to refund people. Because we were only able to put like 60 front row instead of the usual 80. Sure. Yeah. You know, I tried to do something where inside the guardrail, we had to remove the guardrails. So people bought tickets. If it's an event they want to see, they bought tickets and they didn't know what the venue was until we finally announced. Right. Same thing when we were supposed to be at the version for the anniversary. It wasn't the anniversary. It was after that. Sorry. When we were doing the uh, Mecca, right again, another Mecca, and it was Cross against Jacob Fatu, and two weeks before we had no idea where the venue was, right, and it was just like boom, here's the venue, okay, because in 2022, 23, 21, whatever, everybody's buying tickets online with their email addresses, and now he does email everybody. Or regulars, hey, on Facebook. So everybody knew that there was a venue change. You know, I remember one time we were doing the uh, Natural Born Killers. And then after uh, Johnny at the Nerd fucked us out of the spot, 
then try to get his back. And it was like, you're out of your fucking mind. And he was like, oh, you know, you, you, you could contact everybody. I'm like, bro, man, I told you this was going to happen. And we're going to do it at our own venue. Because at our own venue, at least people who wanted to see the tickets. And that was when Moxley showed up, of course. Right. You know? So it's like, not that he would have known because it was a secret, even to me. But right. the thing was, it was like... You know, you don't know what's going to go on. And that problem with that place was that 200 people would have sat and, and climbed up on the on the, the stairs and watched Watch and not it. paid. Just like yep. they used to do with the the events that we did there. So that's why GCW never ran there. He was like, there's no way to monitor them. More people are not going to buy tickets than buy tickets. Yeah. You know, we were fortunate that the majority of our our true fans would buy the tickets out of respect and support. Yeah. The average fan, they would just sit there and they'd watch from the guardrail. They didn't care. They were 50 feet away instead of 20 feet away. Yeah. And and, and even the curiosity eyes in that space isn't going to do anything for your business because those curiosity eyes are pretty much 99% people from, you know, around the country and world, not, here or they're working at denny's and they're on break right right yeah or or if you're santana you're getting attacked by uh some random uh dude some werewolves uh so you know you said uh you know as (laughs) as all that's going on uh you you did mention that the uh, new year's eve show is coming up here on uh, Sunday night uh, right now. What is slated for uh, the card? Well, we just added a couple of matches. Uh, Brett the Threat, he's back. He's going to be wrestling RBJ on the show. Uh, yeah. We have a six-man tag. That's going to be uh, AJ Avon, uh, Fox Valentine, and Santana Jackson. <laughs> taking on the team of Andy Delgado and Greatness and Tenacious. Oh, okay. Uh, we have a tag team eliminator match, as we had announced earlier. The Poe Boys, Chase Bell and Jimmy Jack, take on the returning Suavecitos, who are, you know, big balling now. They're, <laughs> they're, they're stars. They're, you know, they're, they're getting in my face on Twitter. They're the ones who booked you, you fucking idiots. Like, like all of a sudden, like the, the, the crowd decided to book them. You know what I mean? It was like, you didn't get booked because we didn't have anything for you. You were doing stuff, whatever. There was never any issues. But, you know, it's good to see that they're doing very well for themselves. And, yeah. you know, nice, nice to have them on the show. Uh, we have uh, the MK Army uh, minus MK because uh, he will not be there. I I, I, wait, I thought Kiss played their last concert. I, you know, I think uh, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley are doing an acoustic night uh, at MK's house. <laughs> you know, for for a hundred thousand each at MK's front. Uh, they're going to be taking on the team uh, making their debut. The, the I don't need even to show their name. The Mariachi somethings. They're two brothers who've been training with us that are legit mariachis on their which is their their shoot life job <laughs> so they may be uh, accompanying amazing. themselves with the band 
That's amazing. That is fucking. So we might great. have some live music from Santana Jackson, Ricky Tenacious, and the Mariachi Brothers. Who's to say you can't get a casino based off of a I, variety I, 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 show? I can't believe you can. <laughs> and then you know, poetry reading from Gregory Sharp. <laughs> but Bodie will be on the show. He'll defend the title. Sharp will be on the show. Van de Griff will be on the show. Damian Drake, Dante King. Uh, we'll be there. Brittany Brooks will be there. So, you know, we got a pretty stacked show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, is there, uh, is you want a ref? Any- I need a ref. I don't think we have any refs. <laughs> he, he, I even had, I even had Tom ref in a bunch of matches. He lets me know he can't be there. It's like, what do you have to do? You got no friends. <laughs> <laughs> Is there uh, is there uh, a match right now lined up for uh, for the uh, countdown right for the countdown? No, still kind of figuring it out. You know, you know, I see some really good guys on the card there, so it's like, you know, I'm thinking maybe we have one of those uh, super scrambles sure. that you know. Maybe it, it, it's for a title match down the line. I, I still got to hit up some of the, uh, you know, the big guns, you know, Chris Bay, see if he's available. Because I know he was talking about uh, helping out and doing some agenting work. So, you know, if the sure. price is right, yeah, you, you never you, know. You might have to have a ref. I might, you know. Yeah, I know. You know, Cody's unavailable. I think uh, he has a, a Green Arrow Comic Con event uh, happening on uh, New Year's, so he won't be there. Um, Ref Amber hasn't responded in a week about whether she was going to be there. So, you know, it's it's, it's time to get. Time to I get might have up. to. Re- I might have to rest, <laughs> or we might have just. Uh, we might make it like uh, Natural Born Killers. And every batch will be submission or knockout only. <laughs> uh, time to get Ben Hall out of uh, his semi-retirement, man. Yeah, you know, hopefully his gout is in there acting up. Um, so, uh, you know. Well, he had nothing to do on Christmas. He's all by himself, he said. So, you know, maybe uh, hopefully the same holds true for New Year's. Ben, reach out. It looks it looks like you you could ref uh, eight matches on uh, New Year's Eve. Hey, where's where's uh, where's uh, Pizza Tie? You could uh, bring him in, couldn't you? Who's that? Uh, was was his name? Uh, it's I think he's better, in right? uh, Texas or something. Really, that's where he went to. <laughs> he's uh, he's not he's not at uh, Teddy Hart's complex. Well, I think that's why he went to Texas. I think that, I think shockingly enough, they had a falling out. So, <laughs> oh man, um, you know when you when you look at uh, going forward into the new year, since it's the uh, you know the last time we'll talk before twenty twenty four, is there? Anyone who sticks out in your head as uh, people that you are kind of looking forward to seeing what they do 
in 24 because of the fact that, you know, the, they've either showed promise or, uh, you know, have building momentum or, you know, might have uh, either been out with an injury or uh, maybe had an off year. Uh, you know, are, are there some guys that you're looking forward to just kind of seeing where they take their careers to in the new year? Well, yeah, you know, we, we have that strong rookie crop. And, of course, we got the veterans and the Hammerstones and the Limelights. And, you know, those guys are great. But it's those guys that are now not the youngsters anymore. Brett sure. the Threat's not a youngster anymore. You know, Brett the Threat, if he's going to break out, like this is the year that you look at a Brett the Threat as a possible breakout star. You know what I mean? And, you know, Nick Xander, he's kind of he's kind of jumped to that next level. Right. But Brett, you know, was doing the MMA, took some time off, blah, 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 blah. But he needs to be in that discussion, you know, just like, you know, it took a while and it took a long time, you know, for the Gregory Sharps of the world, yeah. you know. And now they're there, you know, they're all over the main event. But Brett the Threat is a guy that you could see as a main event guy. The regulators, I could see as tag team sure. champions. The Suavecitos, I could see them possibly as tag team champions. Sky high. Wait, wait time out. Time out. Did, did you just say those words publicly? <laughs> I could see it. That doesn't mean I have to wish for it. <laughs> All right. Just just making sure that when you, you when know, they come to you and say, hey, happy. Tough love. Tough love, bro. You know what I mean? You, you know, yeah. it isn't easy, this business, and I'm not going to make it easy for people. Sure. And if they don't do things the right way, I'm going to tell them about it, you know, and that's what <laughs> bottom line is. Okay, buddy. Even even he's a Suavecitos fan. <laughs> you got him all excited by mentioning oh, them winning yeah. the titles. <laughs> you know, the door's open. He hears the voice. He can't control himself. You know, the blind dog. <laughs> oh, or he thinks man. somebody's in the room. He's like, where are they? Oh, but, man. you know, it, it was like having this, you know, had, had a couple of conversations today. You know, one of the younger one of the younger cats hits me up and he's like, Hey, you know, is it cool? How long have you been doing this? Blah, blah, blah. You know, you know, what do you see and what do you think, you know, makes a wrestling superstar? And I go, you know, there's a lot of things I said, but the day Sean Ricker, LA Knight walked into our building and grabbed a microphone. I remember we all looked around like, shit, this motherfucker is going to make it. Like, yeah. you, you kind of knew. And, yeah, he's a big guy, looks good, great on the mic. Ke you know, when, when Kevin Cross came in and he touched the mic and you knew he was money. And, and it's like, you know, this gentleman, who, you know, who came in, he, he's got a dance background, he's very athletic, but he's, he's a lot smaller. And I'm like, the thing is, if you look at a guy like Cross, 
and he's six foot four, 260 pounds, looks like a monster. It's going to be easier for him than you. You have to go out there, but you can still be there. It was the same thing when 140 pound Chris Bay walked in. Scrawny, Jay Vidal, guys that didn't have the size, but they worked on things, all aspects. It's like you got to work on, you know, all aspects of the game, the promos, the, you know, being able to develop a character, to embrace the audience, to make them want to give a shit. You know, Danny Limelight's not the biggest guy in the world, but he commands the room when he touches a microphone. Yep. I ain't going to lie. There was a few guys that eh, they weren't too excited to have to get in a verbal beef with fucking Danny Limelight. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, but that's what also makes you better because I've seen guys who were terrible on the mic. Jacob Austin Young. Hammerstone was atrocious, but he worked on it. And then Hammerstone became one of the best promo guys around. When he cut his promo and turned on Graves after he won the title, it was like, ah, made the right move with Hammerstone. Yeah. But then just like that, most loved motherfucker in the room. Yeah. Because they respect him. He's been in the company for so long. And that's why it's sometimes hard when you're trying to, you know, shake things up a little bit. Hey, baby face, heel, whatever, time to turn him. Maybe he's getting stale. And we have a lot of those hardcore fans that, you know, remember with Remy Marcel, it was it was impossible. You know, it's like, stop hugging Brandy, bro. You know, and everybody wants to cheer you. You know, and it makes it difficult. You know, know, what's interesting, I think, I think you just made a very, a very telling point that (laughs) is very unique to the independent scene as compared to the next level, uh, you know, the major companies, because major companies are uh, moving around the country, right? But in the independence, you have your local base. And it's really, you're, you're right. It's hard because of the fact that when you're a, a person like Remy Marcel, well, Remy Marcel is a good fucking person. <laughs> so you fall in love with the person. You get to know the guy. Well, and that's the thing because... Yeah. At our level, the fans are extremely important every show. Yep. And then they form a bond with the people that they like. So, no matter what that person does, even if it's a little kid and they had that encounter with with the wrestler during yeah. the show, you know, not everybody's Lance Hoyt who's going to make some kid cry on purpose. Right. Because, you know, they used to say that about the cool heels and the NWO and Kevin Nash and and all that stuff back in the day. That, you know, you respected somebody. Like Danny Limelight didn't go out of his way to get cheered in any way. Obviously, because of the daughter being involved, it kind of helped. But I've also seen Danny Limelight cut promos as a baby face. Yeah. That I was like, I remember when he was challenging 
for the United Wrestling Championship. And a kid named Jordan Clearwater out of, I believe, uh, Jesse Hernandez's school. And I had met him. Real nice kid. He was real green back in the day. It was like at a Ring of Honor show. <coughs> yeah, and he and he and he uh Dave was high on him. He he built his way up. Jordan, you know, has has had uh some uh good runs with uh with United. Um so you know Jordan definitely was uh at that time kind of getting a spotlight when Danny was kind of moving up. But he cut this promo and it was like, man, this was fucking fantastic. Like it made you want to root for him. Yep. But we haven't seen that yet in, in FSW. <clears throat> right. So it, it's definitely something you need to work on in terms of, oh, I'm a face. Oh, I'm a heel. No, you're whatever the company needs. Right. Right. Well, and and the other thing too, uh, which is, you know, something, uh, you know, when you, when you talk about NXT and you talk about Braun Breaker and, you know, they had him as the face, ultra face, and then, you know, had to turn him heel because they wanted to see how he would, you know, perform as a heel so they can have an idea when they take him up to the main roster, what they can do, because obviously he's going to be one of their crown jewels. But I think back and I go, you know, I think about Samoa Joe at UPW was one of the biggest over fan favorites because Joe was such a nice guy and you couldn't help root for that, you know, that Samoan, you know, that guy who just fought his way, fought his way, fought his way, wasn't in the, you know, in the shape that Cena was in, right? And then one day he comes in and he's got his hair blonde. And we're like, holy shit, you're turning heel. And he's like, yep. And you could see then when he made that heel turn that this guy was going to make it because everything that you you fear that could go wrong you know didn't happen it it went as planned and everything was embraced and the fans put aside that love to then go ahead and give them the hate and i think that that's the the hardest thing is to <laughs> to be able to pull that that off and that balance uh you know, is when you start seeing these guys and you go, yeah, that guy's got it. He's, he's got it. He's figured it all out. And I think that, you know, uh, some of these guys, when they find it, like you said, Hammerstone, when that click happened, I mean, look at them now, you know, everyone's anticipating that, you know, Joe, you might not have Hammerstone in the future. <laughs> it may not. You know, I, I remember when Hammerstone, they used to say, oh, boy, He's a big jack dude, but man, he's got some skinny fucking legs. They don't say that no more either. So, you know, but again, it, it takes time and, and some guys yeah. click a lot longer than than sooner. You know, LA Knight's a perfect example. Dude's almost 40 years old. Yeah. And it took him this year being put in a spot. I was having that conversation. Basically, he 
he could have fallen the wayside of Mansoor and Mace with yep. the maximum male models if Triple H didn't pull him from the heap. Yep. And let him be who he was. Because the bottom line was, in reality, he was just placed for Bray Wyatt to fucking kill. And you gotta you, you also have to give, I think, credit to, and I think this is where the sometimes the the ego of the game kind of gets you know overshadows things and you kind of realize who the real good people are and that's why you know bray passing away is you know such a tragic thing is because bray could easily given him nothing you know and the thing is is that that little fucking feud of you know whatever it was six weeks it opened the door for ricker and bray lost nothing well and life. that's the thing that i always had issues with cena when when a wade barrett could have beat him and when a miz could have beat him and yeah. when a bray wyatt could have beat him it was like they made they made it really difficult to, to, to get over that hurdle. Yep. And, you know, in some cases, it doesn't matter that when they heard Bray Wyatt and they heard L.A. Knight feuding back and forth because they were gracious enough to give L.A. Knight the microphone to try to get over, they were like, hey, wow, we might have something here. Yep. But instead of, because in a lot of cases, WWE is good for that because they'll be like, no, nah, we're going to push the shit down Baron. We're going to push Baron Corbin down everybody's throat, even though nobody cares. Right. And they did it 50 times. Then they brought it back to NXT where people are starting to give a shit again. Yep. But it was like, nobody bought into him, but they wanted to give him another chance to do it. And another chance. I always said the same thing. And obviously the company loved him, which was Albert and yeah. Tensei. And no matter what, and TNA, and we're going to give him 50 opportunities to make him a main guy, and it just didn't work. But Wade Barrett, who got over, and then we buried him, and then we made him Bad News Barrett, and then we buried him again. And you obviously like the guy because he's an announcer on the thing, right. but it's like, I think you took the joy out of his wrestling. Like, here was a guy who should have been a heavyweight champion. He should have been Drew McIntyre before Drew McIntyre. Sure, sure. So unfortunately, or at least fortunately in that case, they, they've given him. We know a guy very well, Kevin Cross, carrying Cross. And now it seems like once again the the fiftieth reinventation of uh and you know, the authors of pain, which with Paul Ellering, yep. that's gonna be an interesting combination because you got Scarlet, Ellering, Cross, and those are big motherfuckers. Yeah. Like they could come in and destroy people, but if you don't mm -hmm. let them destroy people, it doesn't matter. You're they're not going to get over if you don't make them fucking monsters, right? And what's very interesting oh. too is that the like AOP has been under contract with them for a while, a long while. It's just been on under total fucking wraps. Um, they didn't rush and put them like on nxt or just throw them back into the fire or whatever they sat on them and that to me gives hope 
that that whole thing was kind of being constructed in Hunter's mind as how do we use these guys and how do we use this guy who I love? Wait a minute. Let's put it together and let's let's take the time to make this work. Well, and, and that's the thing. Having a boss who's willing to hear what you have to say. Yep. It's like, okay, we, we can all say, you know what? Maybe we didn't do it the right way. And he came in with the fanfare and they put the, the what you would call it, TikTok, the, the, the oh, thing the, with the Roman Reigns. Yeah. And I was I was extremely excited about it. Like, holy shit, the motherfucker's going right to the top. And then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, two stale finishes in the Drew in the Drew McIntyre feud. Like they let him win, but it was yeah. And then when he lost, it was like, yeah. And it was like it didn't do anything for either guy. It actually brought them down. It didn't bring anybody up. Right. And it was really disappointing. But as I've told people, it was like when I grew up and whoever it was would come in, they would be monsters. It's like, okay, earthquake. He comes in, he kills people, beats up a bunch of jobbers. Then he beats up like SD Jones and he beats like another mid card guy. And now he goes after Hogan. And now you've watched this guy, not only in vignettes and stories, even the brood when they got over that, you know, they came in and it was like you were anticipating, you know, what new guy was coming in. And with Cross, it wasn't that way. It was like, like, I understand that you wanted to erase everybody's memory of the helmet and the Jeff Hardy thing, but people don't. It wasn't like 10 years later. They remember the helmet. They remember like, oh, he was portrayed as a fucking goof. So now you have to reinvent him. And by reinventing him isn't a seven-minute match with Drew Gulak. It's a 45-second match with Drew Gulak, just like you've had Drew Gulak lose to other people on SmackDown in like 30 seconds. Right. And if he comes in and he dominates all these people and then he does the thing, great. He does the, he does a feud with AJ Styles and he beats up uh, Luke Gallows or, or Machine Gun after he lost to AJ Styles. So then he beat one of them and then he lost again to AJ Styles. And then he wrestled Nakamura and he lost to Nakamura. And it's like yeah. my story of Tyshawn Prince when he first came in, he wrestled for a different company. In Vegas. Didn't do a lot of shows. He finally came over. And all the the people that I was associated with. Oh, you know, we got to show him FSW is the place, man. We got to humble this guy. I'm like, "Uh, but he is humble. Nah, man, we got to go in there. And we got to build him up. But first, we got to push him down. And I'm like. So I need to bring in Tyshawn Prince and first lose to Kid Vegas and then build him up as the monster. And it's like, no offense to Kid Vegas, but how about we build this guy up from day one? It was this Josh Carey dude out of Arizona. Fucking murdered him and then murdered somebody else and murdered somebody else. And it was like, oh, shit, this big motherfucker is murdering people. Yeah. Oh, shit. 
He's managed by Sally. He's going after Alcatraz. Get the fuck out of here. And he got the monster push. We did a double pin at the school and set it up for this first ever steel cage match at Samstown that blew the fucking roof off the place. Yeah. You cannot build a monster the second time around. Right. That's the problem. Yep. So they have to basically scrap everything and then just really go to town on, on, on pushing cross to the moon. Well, because you can't, you know, you, you can't change people's first impression by giving them a second impression because they and, still have the first impression. Remember too, I think you made a great point with earthquake. And I think that this was something <laughs> that, uh, with Hogan's run, uh, and it's a little different with Roman just because of the way things are different nowadays. But think about, you know, King Kong Bundy, never the same after he lost the cage match to Hogan. You know, you, you took all that time getting him into this huge monster heel that was this undestructible, you know, uh, undestructible guy who eventually Hogan would beat. But once you beat him then there was nowhere to go so you headline wrestlemania 2 and then in wrestlemania 3 you're wrestling a midget match with hillbilly jim and two midgets on each side but in between one and two over that eighth month period they built up king kong bundy and regardless the bottom line was you made king kong bundy a threat at a wrestlemania in the main event Right. Have but, Hogan win. But at the but at the but the end of the day, that's what that's what I'm saying is wasn't he a tag team champ after that? No, no. He he never he never reached a he his pinnacle was that and then he was uh, but everybody loved when he fucking killed Dink. I always <laughs> remember that. I don't remember any other King Kong Bundy match, but I remember him fucking up the midgets. That was well, funny stuff. Yeah. But that's 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 what I'm saying though. That what's interesting is like remember when Kamala came in, now Kamala was already established in you know but that's why you could have did that back then because that was the territories. Well, yeah, but once you once you brought him into the WWE, it was the threat the the, the threat was built up so that Hogan could beat the threat. And then that threat went instantly to the mid-card heel who might win some, but usually was losing to the baby faces. Um, I believe Vince felt he got his money's worth in that situation. Sure, sure but know? but to, to go with your How point, did Ted DiBiase never win the heavyweight title? Like, I cannot believe that story never got told. Yeah. No, I, I I totally agree with that too. And again, it's you know it's it's protection of of you know the asset at the time, but at the same time, to me, what you said was very true. Once you once that he once you built the monster up, once the monster is brought down, you oh that's it, it's all you over. Get him back, yeah, you just cannot get them back to being that. And I think that's what we're starting to see is a different mentality of how you can use those guys into stories 
certain guys are always going to have a problem. Like Braun Strowman's too fucking. He's just too fucking big. What do you, what do you do? It was like the Big Show. How, you yeah. know, okay. Kurt Angle's beating you. Kurt Angle's great, but it's Kurt Angle beating a seven foot five guy. Yeah. Like Andre the Giant didn't lose until Hogan finally vanquished him. But Andre the Giant was always a guy that was in and out and in and out. And then they did the stuff with right. the Warrior. But he was long done. But then they also put him in the tag team with Haku. And right. they were the machines. And they let them be tag champs for a while. Um, well, you know, and, and it's interesting, too, because of this idea of, um, you know, when when you look at when you look at where you can go with a guy like Big Show, what I found very fascinating, and maybe it was the the idea of he came from WCW. So even though we're going to make him a main cog of a story, we're still going to kind of show that our guy is better than their guy. And that is that before, so so he came in in February of '99 at the at the uh, Valentine pay per view. Monster guy, you build him up for a couple weeks, going into WrestleMania, because he's going to be a referee, special referee. Mankind's going to be a special referee. You know, this is all the story between Rock and Austin for the championship at WrestleMania where Austin's going to win the belt. I think it was two weeks before WrestleMania or a week before WrestleMania, Austin wrestles Big Show on Raw and pins him clean with a stunner. (laughs) And I could not believe that you just took this guy who debuted by coming through the bottom of the ring and throwing Austin through the damn cage and you had Austin beat him clean not four weeks later, which always showed to me just that uh, that idea of sometimes there is no logic. In, oh, no, yeah, that, that, that's, 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 that was always been a given with, uh, you know, with Vince and, yeah. you know, the, the ribs that, you know, only Pat Patterson and you know Jerry Briscoe enjoyed it. <laughs> but but it's so it's so funny because of that fact that it's like, you know, you look at these guys and and again now I think you're starting to see just that idea that there's so much more that can be done with the storytelling that uh you know one of the things they've done recently, which I think that any wrestling company who does this, I think it's Lucha Underground used to do it great, and that is incorporating music into the you know the filmed segments. Uh, you know, uh, they used it on NXT with Chase U, just this almost sitcommy, you know, over exaggerating emotional music because they knew that this was a you know a funny thing. This is what they're trying to get across you're starting to see even more TV telling now. So 
I think well, it's I, I, I think that has a lot to do with Triple H. And and yeah. again, there's you know a good amount of WWE people that I talk to from upper management to wrestlers and here and there. And it's universal that you know Triple H being in charge has kept a lot of them there. Can, can that, you say it, it changed the game? Yes. <laughs> And the thing is that when things got up in the air again with, with Vince, there were some people that I know of that kind of held off yep. re-signing and, and, you know, making a decision on what they wanted to do. And these are people that have longed to be a WWE superstar. Yep. And, they, they, you know, they know with Vince, you know, you get what you get. And that, that the, the, what, the way Vince was. And he's very old school and he had his ways about him. And, you know, if he felt that he had to punish you for a certain reason, it didn't matter right, wrong, indifferent. That's how he felt. And he's the boss, you know, you know, it is what it is. But with Triple H, it seems like everybody can honestly walk in and have that conversation and know where they stand. And being a person that if somebody comes to me and, I'll tell them exactly where they stand and I'm not fucking sugarcoating it. I know for a fact people are going to respect you a little more. And there comes that time and it's like, oh, would you rather be loved or or feared, as they say? Right. And it's like, probably neither as a boss. You know, you want to be respected. Right. You know, if you're feared, that doesn't mean you're respected. If you're loved, it doesn't mean you're respected. You know, hey, you know, oh, yeah, he, Joe's fucking great. You know, if I say something, he's going to let me win tonight. You, you know what I mean? That, that That's not what my job is. My job is like I've gone off on people for shit that they did wrong. And at the end of the day, in most cases, they could be like, hey, you know what? You were right. You know, I and it is what it is. And I'm not like lying to you to then go tell somebody else. Yeah, I fucking blew him off. I told him this, that, and the other thing, but he fucking right. piece of shit. Right. To what? Now have this confrontation later on? It's like if you're doing something wrong, you need to know. There's a reason why you're not on the show and that guy is now. And there's reason why that guy's being pushed and you're not being pushed, or why you're losing this and you know, be a man. Ask a question, get the answer. If you don't like the answer, don't ask the question. Yeah. That's why wrestlers a lot of times they like to go to their friends and say, oh, how was the match? It was great, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They don't want right. to go to the person that's going to give them the hard breakdown of, yeah, you did this, this, and this good, but you also shit the bed and you did this, this, and this fucking bad. And learn from your mistakes. You know, we're fortunate that when we have shows – a Chris Bay will show up. Doesn't mean he's wrestling, but he'll be there and he'll watch matches. Or Remy will watch matches, or Cody will watch matches, or Sin will watch matches, or Kenny will watch matches. Like if all these people are giving you thoughts and most of them are saying that it wasn't good, just because your buddy said it was great, or the six fans who like you so much because you like everything they post on Facebook, Right. You're never going to get a really a, a true representation of where you're at. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, I, and and I think that's, you know, that's the interesting thing, um, is, and it's really, it's hard sometimes as an entertainer, uh, you know, let alone a someone who's wrestling doing something physical as as an athlete as well. Um, but the athletes get it at this at the same point, and that is, who is blowing smoke up your ass just to either egg you on or to get something from you? You know, um, who's trying to make you think that you're, you know, at at, at a higher position or a higher level? Because they're trying to use them to use you to elevate themselves. You know, there's, there's so much, there's so much psychology (laughs) that goes into, you know, the, the way of uh, manipulating because of the fact that, you know, everyone sees, you know, who the talented people are or sees who the people are that you can kind of prey on and, you know, maybe used to your advantage and that kind of stuff, of course. you know, that it's, it's, uh, you know, it really comes down to, do you listen to the trainers? Do you work your ass off? Are you willing to put aside your ego, but not your confidence? And that's the hardest thing. Those guys who learn how to do that, they can do anything in the business. And yeah, I think that- early on, you can see certain people that you feel have that long trajectory ahead of them. That no matter how good they're doing, they know they can do better. And then they work on doing better. Yeah. And, and you know, you've said it before, too. Like, you know, what, what Chris Bay did uh, in terms of, you know, you're not going to get in my way of me chasing my dream by saying that, well, you need to, <laughs> you need to work on this Friday at, you know, a shift from 4 PM to 11 PM. No, I don't. I'm good. Thank hey, you. Keep, keep your 60 bucks. I'll figure it out. Yep. And I think that that's, that's, you know, part of that. There, uh, guys could can do that. Uh, who have that drive and then the guys who are truly humble and you know they see where they want to go in their careers but they also don't lose sight of you know uh, the things that are important and that's you know having the values having uh you know uh, helping people out uh looking out for others you know all the general stuff that you want to see in good team players if you're an athlete um you know those guys are the guys who seem to uh again go on to have careers 15 20 years you know wade barrett great example like you said hey the guy's a commentator now no matter how bad they might have screwed him he's still working because that's the kind of person he is you know, even Albert, you know, that that's a great mention too. uh, you know, Albert's really kind of 
starting to take a step back from NXT and really just kind of uh, doing a lot of the uh, performance center training stuff. That guy, who would have thought that that guy would step in when Bill DeMott got, you know, forced out? And Albert's been one of the, you know, the biggest influencers on the product in terms of training these young guys for the last almost decade now. It's amazing. So it's, you just never know, you know, who you're going to encounter, what you're going to encounter, and what the arc of your career is going to take you to. And I think it's, you know, having those conversations, I think that the young guys need to have more of those conversations and sit down with, you know, guys like Sin and uh, guys like Remy and, you know, pick their brains as often as possible, you know, because that's how you do it. That's how you learn. And that's where Joe falls asleep. <laughs> I heard you. You weren't wait. You didn't wait for an answer from me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, uh, as I, I guess we're uh, we're going on a marathon here. So uh, as we get to uh, wrapping up here, um, what uh, what do you see happening on New Year's Eve? Uh, you think uh, there's going to be uh, some uh, surprise that you that fans might have not seen coming? I don't know. If it is, it's a surprise to me. So, you know, you know, maybe Brian Cage or Jeff Cobble walk in the door. I don't know. If they do, I'll figure something out. Come on, Brian, doing a run in. Do a run in for free for me, will you? Uh, does he does he have to bring the belt with and and uh the Yeah, he can leave the belt at home. All right. Does he does he have to bring the kid with? Oh, see, there we go. How many of them? He's got like 10 now, right? Five, four, three? I don't know. He's got at least three, four kids, at least. I'm, I'm thinking the the newest edition. Uh, uh, Melissa hasn't had the baby yet, has he? You know, I'm, I'm sure the ring announcer on uh, New Year's, maybe uh, Melissa can introduce the matches. Because I'll have to do that. And referee. You and know, probably and commentate. Commentate. I was going to say if you can, if you can rig up something where you can ref the match, have the could, mic in your. I could be like Kevin head. Gill. I could talk during the match, as I'm the referee. Though that would be a, a different step, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, again, what time is show starts at uh, nine thirty? Nine thirty. Nine thirty. So last year we tried, but we probably ended like you know ten to twelve or whatever. And everybody sat around. You get a free champagne toast, even you know, even the underage kids. You know, as long yeah. as their mommy and daddy let them. Oh, well, hey, they're not driving. Hopefully, <laughs> I know Bodie is. So yeah, well, watch out. That's. That's the, that's, was that the prerequisite? He, he gets his driver's license. So you give him the belt. Yeah. Now he's, now we can actually drive to GCW in LA or something. And Phoenix. Right. So, so take, Bodhi, take the belt with you in the car, wherever you go and just, you know, kind of remind people that you're a champ over here. Yeah. 
Stop losing. Stop losing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Well, Joe, uh, that's it, man. 2023 is out the door now. And uh, heading into 2024 with a lot of uh, questions. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> it's like a choose-your-own-adventure book on where you're going to end up with uh, yeah. your shows. Make me an offer. Who wants a piece of FSW? Make me an offer. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, I mean, M MK could, uh, could theoretically take over FSW, right? That's Step where, right in. There you go. You could see that happen. Uh, Make a year. trade. Uh, his engineering company for FSW. Oh, I thought you were going to say, it, give him FSW if you could uh, call the uh, the Utes games. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad deal either. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, ah, don't get me started on listening to these commentators. Uh, we gonna we gonna get uh, are are we gonna get like you said are we gonna get uh, do you have commentators lined up for? I think Jake will be there for sure. Right. Uh, right now I'm at zero uh, referees, so I'm gonna have to uh, let Rainey know that he's gonna be needed because you know every other day it's like okay you're not on the show, bro. Okay, so then I make a post. And it's like, yeah, we're gonna have some of the younger guys on the show. Blah 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 blah. Hey, you need somebody for the show? No, that's not what I said. I just <laughs> said what I said. I've already told you. Like, how many times are you gonna ask me the same question? Yeah. You know, I, I guess people are eager. I, 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 so I can't get too mad. But it's like enough already. I'll let you know if you're booked on the show. I had to tell them today. Right now, you're not booked. If a spot opens up. I'll make sure you're the first one I tell that you're going to be on the show. Yeah. Not that difficult. Yeah. Oh, you know, some people just want to hear what they want to hear. Uh, yeah, I know. Oh, when's the next future shot? I don't know. Or, or just, you know what, Joe, just tell them, Hey man, just show up to the arenas on Fridays well, and Saturday nights. Well, here, here's a funny one. So, the last show, we do a No Limits Battle Royal. The winner right. wrestles Bodie. Uh, I'm like, hey, Rainy, you're going to be in the Battle Royal. Oh, okay, cool. I'm like, you going to sell any tickets? Oh, no, I'm just in a Battle Royal. <laughs> but then, this, is, this was after he said to me, Hey, how many tickets do I need to sell to win the Battle Royal? <laughs> I'm like, uh, 150. I can't sell that. Well, then I guess you can't win the Battle Royal. <laughs> if you sell 150 tickets, bro, you're winning the Battle Royal. Oh, crap. I mean, uh, Shit, man. Sell 300 tickets. You're probably looking at becoming Nevada State champion. <laughs> Nevada State? Shogun might have the shortest reign in the history uh, since uh, Remy Marcel. <laughs> it was 13 days. <laughs> oh, man. 15 days, maybe. Is that is that a documentary we should be looking forward to in uh, 2024 on uh, Fight Plus? The uh, 
Remy Marcel 14 day championship yes. in the documentary. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a lot of uh, craziness that led to Remy Marcel winning the heavyweight title because of the situation with LA Knight leaving to go to WWE. Right. His first run is Sean Ricker the day of the show telling me, by the way, hey, I just want to let you know uh, I'm leaving in a month. Uh, I just signed with WWE. I'm like, motherfucker, congratulations, you fuck. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we can't really not change the belt. So let's put the belt on you. You can work the show in two weeks. Okay, cool. And then the referee, even though he was good, it fucked up. It was a fuck up on the finish. It came across shitty. It was like, yeah. Yeah, that 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 could that that could be like the Montreal screw job show, yeah. <sighs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go eat a meatball sandwich. Well, there you go, everyone. Time for Joe to go eat his meatball sandwich uh that he should have had a couple nights ago. <laughs> yeah, shoulda. So coulda shoulda. But uh, thank you all for tuning in this year. And uh, 2024 looks exciting for FSW. And uh, can't wait to see, uh, you know, what it holds, uh, especially for uh, some of uh, the top talent and some of the young talent that we've been talking about this past year. So for that's uh, right. You know, let's fast forward one year from today and see what's going on with Raw Reese, brother. Hey, well, as long as he keeps showing up, right? There you go. <laughs> You're going to have a new faction. What do you mean? We got, my... we, got, we got a few new factions that have uh, been formed. Oh, no. I, I'm, I'm thinking that there's going to be, in 2024, some some big new faction. Big that, new. Yeah, something, something that no one saw coming. Ah. I think I think things are gonna click between some guys that it's it's gonna be like oh shit, all right. So start thinking about that, Joe. Make I'm gonna put it, yeah. I'm gonna do that before I make my sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> or think of it while you're eating because that yeah. that usually is when the best ideas come. All right, all right. Well, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you guys next year. <laughs>